All right, well, happy Wednesday uh, to everyone. As uh, Pastor Lawton mentioned, uh, with uh, Dr. Thomas being out, we're going to take a little bit of a, a detour this morning, and I'm sure he'll return to his uh, series when he returns. Uh, but we're going to uh, look at a passage with a little bit of a, a Christmas theme, as it is that uh, time of year. And of course, Christmas uh, season is a it's a time, isn't it, filled with anticipation. Um, it's a, a time when, you know, children count down the days until Christmas. I was reminded of that this week, uh, driving with uh, one of my children in the car, and uh, he mentioned that Christmas was his favorite time of year, and I said, well, that's good, and, you know, wh- why is Christmas your favorite time of year? Thinking, you know, maybe he'd give... Uh, an answer about, you know, Jesus' birth or something of that sort. He said, well, because of all the gifts. And so uh, he was very honest about it, but uh, it was a sweet, uh, a sweet thing. And, and of course, to me, a reminder that it's also a time in which parents have to uh, get on the ball with uh, getting gifts together in anticipation of Christmas morning. But of course, uh, Christmas uh, is, is not just a great time of anticipation because of, of all of the wonderful uh, festivities and, of course, the, the, the uh, exchanging of gifts, uh, but it's a time of great anticipation because as, as those who know the Lord and, and love the Lord, it's a, a time when we are really reminded afresh of God's great love for us and how he has expressed it to us in redemptive history, right? When he he broke into history some 2,000 years ago, in particular when the eternal God became a man and took on flesh and blood to dwell among us, was born as a baby in Bethlehem. It's, It's a time when the, the promises of God are brought in, in, in a sense to the, the forefront as we are uh, reminded that the, the, the long anticipated and longed for Messiah had finally arrived. Perhaps in a different package as some Christmas gifts are than we expect, but the joy of the season that is found in Christ. And it reminds us, of course, not just what Christ did in, in his first coming and his being born, but that great anticipation that we have as believers that he will one day come again. The, the fullness of the promise of God in Christ that he will come to bring the, the fullness of his kingdom and receive us all into glory, and we will know his promises in all their fullness, in the new heavens and the new earth. Yes, Christmas can also be a busy and and sometimes stressful time of year for many, perhaps even a, a sad time for some, but it is still a reminder of that great hope, that great anticipation that we have of future glory. And that is uh, what our passage this morning or this noontime is about. It's a, a passage that shows how, although God's people lived in great darkness, 
They looked to a yet more glorious day when God's light would shine on them and they would experience the blessings of God forevermore, a day when there would be no more darkness, no more suffering, no more struggle against the enemies of God, the difficulties of this life. And so let us look together at Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. It's found there in your bulletins. This is the word of the Lord. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and the nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Well, this is the word of our God. Thanks be to God for his holy and inerrant word. Well, as I mentioned, uh, this was a dark time in the history of God's people. Isaiah was prophesying at a time when when Israel was under great uh, duress. Uh, If we were to look briefly at the Uh, landscape of Isaiah, the first 40 chapters or so of the book detail the judgment that was brought on the earth and upon uh, the the people of God because of their sin. And it was during Isaiah's ministry that the, the consequences of their rebellion and disobedience to God began to take effect in very tangible ways. Uh, The northern kingdom of Israel had fallen to the Assyrians in 722, and uh, it was also during Isaiah's ministry, though, that in chapters 36 through 39, Jerusalem uh, comes under siege of the Assyrians as well. Though at the time they were spared when God saved them from Sennacherib's invasion Uh, the southern kingdom would eventually fall as well in 586 B.C. And so this was a a very dark time. The people are under great distress. But in the midst of that great darkness, there shined forth a great hope. And chapters 40 through 66 of Isaiah describe that, that hope of redemption, the the future glory of of God's people. And chapter 60 in particular, which we're looking at, speaks of that hope of future glory when the, the light of God would shine in the darkness, when God's people would be raised up and the nations would gather to partake of the glorious light of God. And so Uh, We're going to look at the passage in three parts. First, the darkness into which the light shines. Secondly, the glory of the light that shines. And thirdly, the light that draws the nations. So first, the the darkness in which the light shines. Verse 2 says that darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people's. This theme of darkness is is a uh, prominent one, really, in in the book 
of Isaiah, and, and of course we see it throughout uh, the scriptures. Uh, the darkness is, is sometimes, of course, to replace or to refer to a place that is physically dark, but other times it's used in a more metaphorical sense, a, a sense of, of misery, ignorance, sadness, wickedness. The word that we find here in Isaiah is, in verse 2, is translated, at least in the Septuagint, uh, as scholars point out, it, it, it has the idea of ignorance, respecting divine things and human duties, and the accompanying ungodliness and immorality together with consequent misery. That's the darkness that is in view here in Isaiah that the, the people of God were, were facing. Uh, it's this idea of darkness we, we see elsewhere. For example, in John chapter 3, verse 19, when it says this is the judgment, the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It is speaking of the reality of the the state of of man and, of course, the world itself. Uh, That reality which we know where man willingly remains ignorant of the things of God. Why? So that they might continue in a lifestyle of sin and, and disobedience. That's not something new to our time. It was a reality that was true and certainly in Isaiah's day in which Isaiah is talking about here in this, this prophecy. Man's willingness to pursue his own lifestyle knowing that it is contrary to God's design. This is the world in which we live in. And yes, we have lived in such a world since the the time of the the fall. But it's not just the reality of the world in which we live, it's the reality of our own hearts, isn't it? Our own heart condition, uh, certainly apart from Christ. Uh, The reality that we all are born in until God breaks into our lives and gives us a a new perspective, gives us a a new heart. And even though Isaiah is speaking here in the the future tense to speak about that thick darkness that covers the earth, he's not saying that this darkness is something that is totally yet future. No, as, as we've already seen or mentioned, darkness was a prevalent reality in Isaiah's day and certainly in our own day. The darkness was a reality that had come as a result, as a consequence of sin in the world and in man's heart. It's a reality, of course, that continues to exist in the world today 
every person as scripture testifies is affected by the reality of this darkness, this sin, right? Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12, which describes that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And so the message of the prophets and of God's word is that none of us can escape this reality. All of us are culpable for the darkness that permeates the the world in which we live and, of course, our own hearts and lives. Right, so Isaiah is speaking not just about some future reality that did not yet exist. Isaiah was speaking of a, a darkness that he, he knew. A darkness that God's people experienced because it covered the world in which they lived and covered their own lives. And it's a reality that will continue to exist, won't it, until... It reaches its climax when Christ comes again. And so it's this darkness that Isaiah is talking about, but it's also into this darkness, this state of sin and misery that the prophet says the glory of the Lord will shine. Right? Notice the second half of verse 2 but the Lord will arise upon you and the, his glory will be seen upon you. That brings us to the, the second point, the glory of the light that shines. Verse one says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Much like darkness, light is also a theme that we see throughout scripture and which Isaiah highlights here in in his his prophecy and once again right the the term light is is not simply uh, used to refer to something that illumines things physically but it's speaking of of a in a broader sense right as commentators will point out of the blessing and presence and the revelation of of God and so Isaiah is, is speaking hope into a very dark reality in which God's people lived. He is telling the, the people of God of a reality that was on the horizon, a future age when God's people would experience the, the presence and the blessing of God in a very real way. He was Speaking of a, of a day when the darkness would be expelled from the land, God's people would be delivered from their enemies, and they would know fellowship with God forevermore. Speaking from the perspective of the Old Testament saints, he's speaking of that messianic age, the, the age when the promises of God would be realized and 
and everything would be made right. He's speaking, isn't he, of the coming of Christ. The incarnation which we celebrate, we are reminded of this time of year, right? John 1, 4 and 5 says, In him was life, speaking of Jesus, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Or John 1, 9 through 10, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Or John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Indeed, the light, the promised light John is proclaiming has come. Or to frame it in the context of Isaiah's prophecy, Jesus is the light who was to come. The light who was to bring the blessing, presence, and revelation of God in a very real and tangible way. Indeed, he has. All of these realities have come to fruition in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is the the hope of future glory to which the Old Testament saints looked. He's the hope of glory to which you and I must look as well, not just in looking back at what he has accomplished so long ago, but knowing that he is still at work among us, the light is still shining in the midst of the darkness, and of course looking to that future day when the light will totally extinguish the darkness, that hope a future glory which John again talks about in Revelation 21 verses 22 and following when he says, I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and the gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. That, dear friends, is the horizon that Isaiah was looking to here in chapter 60, that eternal hope of, of glory. And what the New Testament reveals for us and what Christ's first advent makes clear is that there, there was also that intermediate horizon, that, that, that reality in which we live. The time between the coming of Christ, 
the time between his first coming and second coming, the time when the the true light has come into the world. And therefore, the, the blessings of our eternal hope have been brought into our present experience. The very real hope of eternal life now, forgiveness of sins now, peace with God now, and the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit now. Though we only experience them in part now, and in this present age, we still live in the darkness of the world. Right, we still experience the effects of, of sin. We struggle in our own lives, our own hearts, to put to death the darkness that still exists, the deeds of the flesh in our own hearts. And we look, we still look with anticipation to that glorious day when all things will be made right. And one day we will experience the blessings of God in all their fullness. But for now we live in the in-between time. We experience a, a taste of eternity but live in the reality of the present. We live in what theologians call the already and and not yet, which of course has multiple implications, but we're going to look at just a a couple that our passage uh, points out for us uh, today, verses 1 and 3, which brings us to the third and final point, the light that draws the nations. Verse 1 begins with, with two commands. Arise and shine, it says. Which, given the, the context of Isaiah's prophecy and the passage that we've been looking at, may seem a little strange to us, or interesting at least. I mean, given the fact that the people have been described in this passage and in Isaiah's prophecy as lifeless and and those who dwell in in darkness as a result of their own sin and how can they then arise and shine how can those who are lifeless stand up how can those in darkness give light well of course you all know the answer they can't at least not on their own. But isn't that the, precisely the point that this is the work of God in human hearts? This is precisely what God does when he redeems a sinner from darkness. That he works in their lives, in the midst of their darkness, to awaken them to the truth, to call them forth, to raise them to new life, giving them a, a new identity, a new hope. That we who were once dead 
in darkness, in sin, are raised up and given new life because of the light who has come into the world. But he not only redeems us from our sin, from the darkness, he sends us then out into that darkness to shine as lights in the world. Consider the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2, 12 and 15 when he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And of course, we, we love that passage because it shows us how God uh, works in us to work that sanctifying grace in our lives. But we continue in the passage in verse 14. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, when God is at work in our hearts, when God's truth is permeating our lives, he gives us, yes, a new identity in Christ, but he also sends us out with a new mission and purpose in the world to shine as as lights in that world. And notice the effect of God's work in the lives of his people in verse three. He says, nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. What's, what is he talking about here? Well, it's not merely a, a prophecy that declares that, that God will gather the nations once the light has come into the world, though it is that. But it also gives us a glimpse, doesn't it, of, of, of how God gathers the nations. He gathers them to Christ. He gathers them to the light so that they will be counted among God's people. But he gathers them through his people. He gathers them as he sends us out into the world as lights in the world, right? And he explains how God uses us to to gather these nations when it says they will come to your light, they will come to the brightness of your rising. In other words, it is through the testimony of God's people a, a, a worshiping, loving community that then extends that love, which shines that love, the light of God's truth to those around them who are in the darkness. Through the proclamation of God's truth, through his people, to the ends of the earth. That is how the nations will come to Christ that will come out of the darkness to see 
the light as he uses his people as his instruments in the world, his messengers. In other words, the message, dear brothers and sisters, is that you are the light of the world. As Matthew 5.14 says, in whatever station God has placed you, in your life, in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in any other place where he might send you. May we pray, especially through this holiday season, that we would shine brightly in the midst of the darkness. You see, God has redeemed us for a purpose. He has redeemed us to glorify himself by transforming us and making us shine as lights in the world so that he might gather the nations to himself, people from every tribe and tongue and language to worship him for all eternity. So this Christmas season, let us together behold the true light who has come into the world so that we might reflect that light to the world around us. And let us look with great anticipation to that glorious day when we will dwell in the eternal light of the Lamb forevermore, worshiping and praising God in the new heavens and the new earth. Let's pray. Our great and glorious God, we thank you once again for sending Jesus, the light of the world, into the midst of the darkness to rescue sinners like us, those who loved the darkness. You raised us up, gave us new life, new hearts that we might reflect your light to the ends of the earth. Lord, help us to, to glory in that. Help us to faithfully, by the power of your spirit, reflect the true light to the world around us that all may hear. We thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.